But we're going to pick up in Deuteronomy. Uh, we left off in the book of Deuteronomy uh, at the end of chapter 11. And what we've seen in Deuteronomy is, of course, Deuteronomy is a second telling of the law to a new generation of Israelites. The old generation has died out in the wilderness. The new generation is now on the brink of the promised land. But before they go into the promised land, they needed to be reminded of how they were to live in the promised land as God's special chosen people. So Deuteronomy is a retelling from Moses of this law to this new generation. And he's imploring them to be faithful to God, that he and he alone deserves their devotion, and that they are to love God with all of their heart, all of their soul, their strength. They're to obey his commandments. So that's what we've seen in Deuteronomy. In the first 11 chapters, we've seen really this, this call and this cry to the Israelites to be faithful to God. Now today, beginning in chapter 12, which actually goes all the way to chapter 26, is Moses expounding upon this law and specifically using these laws for specific situations when they get into the promised land. So you see on our paper there, after the long and impassioned appeal in chapters 5 through 11, to keep the statutes and laws. Their exposition, the exposition explaining these laws, begins in chapter 12. But right at the beginning and again at the end, Israel is reminded why they should keep the law. They should keep the law to enjoy life in the land. They should keep the law so that they will prosper in the land. They will be blessed in the land. They will live long in the land. And that is the keys to what... Uh, Moses is saying here. Uh, the laws kind of follow, if you see the big, and I didn't know it was going to be that big when it came out on the, on the copier, but uh, the, the middle chart that we have there, uh, chapters 1 through 20, the end of 25, really kind of follow the Ten Commandments. So really these chapters are just, you're taking your commandment, as in the first one, you shall have no other gods before me, and then is expounding upon that commandment, on what that commandment looks like in the land. Um, and, and so it follows this similar pattern. Uh, it's not explicitly pointed out in these chapters that that's what it's doing, but when you look at the arrangement, um, when you look at other ancient laws, they follow a very similar pattern. So these rules in Deuteronomy could be described as applications of the principles of the Ten Commandments. So the, the Ten Commandments give you a principle you shall not kill, you shall honor your father and mother. And what's happening in these chapters is it's giving um, application to those Ten Commandments, how it applies in different situations. So as you can see there, the commandments, uh, chapters or commandment one and two, to have no other gods, uh, no graven images, uh, corresponds with no worship at Canaanite shrines. So it goes against the other gods of Canaan. Uh, no taking of God's name in vain. Uh, signals no apostasy or compromise uh, with Canaanite worship, that you should uh, observe God's name as holy. And one way you observe God's name as holy, not taking it in vain, is adding these other gods and you know worshiping them and putting their name in the place of God. Honoring the Sabbath, uh, chapters 15 and 16, where we talk about holy days uh, and holy years, Sabbath years, 
Uh, so it expounds upon the honor of, of Sabbath. Chapter five, or uh, number five, honor your father and mother, uh, corresponds with respecting authority. So it's not just a physical mother and father as the head of the family, but it's those who are the heads of the nations as well, honoring them. Uh, not commit murder, uh, the respect for human life in chapters 19 through 22. No adultery, it corresponds with 22.9 through 23.18, dealing with adultery and illicit uh, relationships. Uh, no theft, corresponds with 23 and 24, with violations of property and your neighbor's property. Uh, commandment number nine, no false witnesses, uh, deals with fair treatment of others in 24 and 25. And then no coveting in chapter 25, 5 through 16, means coveting wives and property. So when you're reading through all these, it's, it's, it can be very drudging to trudge through all of these chapters and all of these laws. Uh, but this just kind of gives you kind of an outline to go so you know kind of what you're reading and how, what it's related to. So let's jump into, today we're going to specifically cover uh, chapters 12 through 18. Uh, so the first issue that is taken up in chapter 12 is Israel is not supposed to worship at the sites of the Canaanite gods. So they're going into this land of Canaan, and the ancient uh, Near East is, a, is filled with gods, and it's filled with worshiping other gods, and it's filled with this superstition that they have from these other gods. So the theme that runs through this section of Deuteronomy is the fear of religious disloyalty to Yahweh. So Moses has pleaded with them to be faithful and dedicated to Yahweh and Yahweh alone. Here, the worst expression of dishonoring Yahweh is joining in Canaanite worship. Either, number one, by worshiping Canaanite gods... Or number two, worshiping Yahweh in the form of how the Canaanites worshipped their gods. For what we learn about Canaanite worship is they worshipped a royal pantheon of gods. They had this, this, these deities that they uh, uh, worshipped. They had a chief god uh, called El, and El was kind of the creator and sustainer. He was like the CEO of all the other gods. Uh, and then kind of the, um, you know, kind of under him running the show was the god we would refer to as Baal, uh, or technically it's pronounced Baal, uh, but we down here in America say Baal. Uh, so Baal is the primary god that we see throughout the Old Testament. That's that the prophets of Baal and the worshipers of Baal are in contest with Yahweh and the Israelites. Uh, you remember Elijah going against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. So Baal was kind of this chief deity over the Canaanites. Uh, and then you have um, Ashtara and so many other gods and goddesses that they worship. And gods were over crops and gods were over sun and gods were over fertility. Uh, and so there was this pantheon of gods that uh, the Canaanites worshipped. And along with the worshiping these pantheon of gods, the practices of how they would worship these gods would include divination, would include well, what we would call occult practices, uh, seeking the dead, all, uh, deifying the dead, praying to the dead, cutting yourselves for the dead. Uh, so this type of divination, um, 
Prostitution was another form of worship in the pagan world, and even child sacrifice. So when Israel goes into the land, number one, they were not supposed to worship the gods of Canaan, and number two, they were not supposed to worship Yahweh like these other Canaanites worship their gods through divination, you know, prostitution, child sacrifice, and all of these other ways that they did. So this is first priority. First priority is do not worship these gods. So when they go into the land, the first thing they're supposed to do is to utterly destroy these Canaanite shrines. They're not supposed to worship Yahweh in these Canaanite shrines. Uh, They are to utterly destroy it. And they do this by two ways. Two things were supposed to happen. Number one, the altars would be knocked down. Their idols would be chopped up. That's the first thing that would happen. You can find this in the first part of chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse number 2. So when you look in Deuteronomy 12, 2, he says, You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispose of served their gods. On every high mountain, on every hill, under every green tree, you will tear down their altars, you will dash them in pieces, their pillars, burn their asherim or their uh, asherah poles with fire, Uh, You shall chop down their carved images. You shall destroy their name out of the place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. So that's the first thing they're supposed to do. Utterly destroy all of the pagan temple sites. The second thing they were supposed to do is they were to only worship Yahweh, bring their sacrifices to Yahweh, to the place where He designates. So when you look down in verse number 5 of Deuteronomy 12, He says, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name to make his habitation there. There you shall go, you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your contributions, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, the firstborn, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice. And they shall do this in the place that God chooses. So those are two things they do to combat uh, this pagan idol worship, and that is destroy their high places and only worship at the places that God designates. Uh, uh, The rest of that chapter goes on to talk about uh, meat eating, because obviously they raised animals. Uh, They would sacrifice the animals to God, and then they would eat the food. Uh, that's what we saw in other Unless it was a whole burnt offering, now we're going all the way back to Exodus, unless it was a whole burnt offering, uh, you, then you can take animals, you sacrifice it to God, you drain the blood, and then you can eat it and enjoy it in a fellowship meal. So he's kind of giving um, regulations here on what they can eat and when they can eat. And here's the deal. When they were around the tabernacle, everybody was kind of in this close proximity. So the tabernacle was in the middle. They all can bring their sacrifices. Now they're going to be in the land, and they're going to be spread out miles and miles and miles and miles away. So he's giving them regulations here on how they can still sacrifice and eat without having to walk you know, 40 miles in order to uh, go to the sanctuary. So in terms of meat eating in this new situation, where the sanctuary might be a long way from someone's home, they were uh, permitted to kill an animal for food um, without offering a sacrifice as long as no blood was consumed. Uh, This change from earlier practices would reduce the temptation to use Canaanite shrines as a means to enjoy their meats. So God allowed them to 
cook their own meat at home. Isn't that great? Uh, so they didn't have to travel to uh, you know, the, the place where the priest had to sacrifice. Um, they could enjoy it at home, so as long as they didn't eat it with blood. And then on their way traveling, they wouldn't get tired and stop at an altar that was dedicated to Baal and offer their offering there. So it was just ways to prevent them and keep them at bay from these pagan idol worshipers. So that's what chapter uh, 12 deals with there. As we move into chapter 13, continuing the theme of disloyalty on the back of our paper, Moses warns that prophets may even encourage the worship of other gods. So when you come to Deuteronomy 13, um, there's three different groups of people that Moses deals with. That even prophets, their own prophets, may even tempt them to go after other gods. Then he says, your own brother, your own son, your own daughter, even your own wife, when you get in the land, may even tempt you to go after other gods. Then they said there may be people within your city that would rise up and would try to lead the whole city to go after other gods. So chapter 13 is a warning not to listen to prophets, not to listen to your own family, not to listen to those in the city who would try to get you to go after other gods. So it's a warning. Chapter 13 is a warning. So chapter 13 begins, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, that tells you that, that even that comes to pass and says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known. Let us serve them. He says, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart or with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God, fear Him, keep His commandments, obey His voice, serve Him, and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God. So in these three instances, prophets, family members, or people in the city, number one, do not follow them. And number two, there would be corporal punishment. There would be the death penalty for people who do such things. So even your close family members were to be put to death if they try to dissuade you to go after other gods. People in the city, and even if, even if parts of the city is given over to this, the city shall be burned. So this is, this is just conveying how strict and how important that Yahweh is saying, do not go after these other gods. So very serious. So 12 and 13 deals with them being faithful to Yahweh. In chapter 14, as we come to chapter 14 in Deuteronomy, these are the laws of clean and unclean food. We went over them at length in previous books that we've seen in uh, the Pentateuch. But chapter 14, notice how chapter 14 begins. Chapter 14 of Deuteronomy begins, You are the sons of the Lord your God. So chapter 14, the emphasis is there. You're doing these different things because you are different from the other nations. You have different food laws because you are different from the other nations. You don't do the practices that the Canaanites do because you are different. So he says in verse number one, you are the sons of the Lord your God. 
He says, you shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead, because those were pagan practices, to their gods. Number, verse number two says, for you are a people holy to Yahweh your God. And Yahweh has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Verse 3 says, you shall not eat any abomination. So two commands he gives there is that you shall not cut yourselves, you shall not make yourself bald, you shall not do any of these things for the dead, which is part of the pagan practices. They deify the dead and worship them. And then you shall not eat any abomination. And then he goes over the food laws that we've seen, the certain type of animals that God calls clean and the certain type of animals that God calls unclean. And um, this is an effort, again, to remind the people you are not like the Canaanites. Do not fall into their practices. Falling into their practices means chasing after other gods. Chasing after other gods means you've abandoned Yahweh. And that equals judgment, expulsion from the land. It equals dying. It equals poverty. It equals sickness. It equals all of these things. So they are to... All of these food laws in chapter 14 are to remind the people they are not like the inhabitants of Canaan. Um, so that's why this issue of is food is brought up. Uh, the next issue in chapter 14 is the issue of uh, tithes. So when you go to chapter 14, verse number 22, from there to the end of chapter 14, you have uh, the tithe. So here's what it says about the tithe in Deuteronomy 14, 22. He says, you shall tithe all the field of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose, notice that phrase, to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain. So when they uh, raise grain, when they have wine, oil, or the firstborn of their flocks, um, they were to take that tenth and they were to take it before the Lord uh, and there, before the Lord, is where they eat their tithes. That's what it says here. Um, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, your oil, the firstborn of your flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So they're doing that in order to show all of this has come from Yahweh. So if I take the first of what I have, I bring it before Yahweh, I enjoy it there, then that's reminding me of where my blessings come from where this produce has come from, where these crops have come from, where this oil has come from. It's all provided by God. But then it makes provision. Verse 24 says, If the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, he says in verse 25, Then you shall turn it into money. You'll sell it and you'll get the money. You'll bind up the money in your hand. Then you'll go to the place that the Lord your God chooses Spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Uh, so, that's, so, so the tithe there was really a celebration of what God has done, that God has blessed me so much that I take it before the Lord and I rejoice and enjoy it there before Him. And if there's too much to carry or it's too far to go, and then you sell it and then you buy uh, your stuff there before the Lord. Uh, but then it goes on to say uh, that they shall not forget um, the Levites, that the Levites, of course, the Levites didn't have inheritance in the land. 
So they were to share their tithes with the Levites so that the Levites would have uh, uh, portions as well. Then every three years, there was supposed to be a special tithe. Uh, So every three years, they were supposed to take a special tithe from their produce, uh, and they were supposed to give it to the Levite, to the sojourner, to the fatherless, to the widow, to the poor. So that was their offering to the poor for every third year tithe. So that was their tithe of food and uh, offerings to the poor. Then continuing the theme for the poor, it goes into chapter 15. And when we go to the theme of the poor in chapter 15, uh, is connected with the commandment of the Sabbath day. Chapter 15 is connected with the commandment of the Sabbath day because it deals with what we call the Sabbath year. Of course, the Sabbath day is every seventh day, the seventh day. The seventh month was a, was a, was a Sabbath month. The seventh year um, was a year that they would be a blessing to the poor, to the slave, to the debtor. So in chapter 15, this chapter is connected with the Sabbath day, dealing with the Sabbath year. The chapter begins with the command for creditors to release their brother or neighbor from their debt. So if you had loaned something to your neighbor or your brother, every seventh year you were to erase that debt and release them from the debt, that they no longer owed you this debt. Um, This chapter is notable for the generosity it urges for the poor and for the slave when his time of service is up. In verses 7-11, through Israel is told to care for the poor and to give generously. So if you notice in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7, If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. You shall open your hand to him. Lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly. You know, that's saying, oh, the seventh year is here, and i got to start giving away my stuff. I don't want to do that to these poor people around me. He says, no, don't do that. Don't have that attitude on your poor brother, and that you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you, and you be found guilty. He says, you shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother and to the needy and to the poor in your hand. So first of all, in the seventh year, you were to release the debtors. You were supposed to give generously to the poor around you. And then thirdly, is that those who were enslaved, verse 12, says, If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. So slaves that, you know, whether they, and most times slavery was they owed you a debt, or, you know, they were a slave from somebody else and they got sold to you. And, and that's how debts were taken care of. You went, you worked for that person uh, in order to pay your debt. So this says every seventh year, the Hebrew brother who's a slave who has been sold to you, you shall release them. You shall let them go free. And not only shall you let them go free, verse 13 says, you shall not let him go empty handed. 
You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, out of your winepress, as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall give to him. So they were supposed to release them. Then they were supposed to bless them with abundance when they leave. And here's why this law is in here. Look at verse number 15 of chapter 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. So it's, it's to remember, quote, where they came from. That Israel was once slaves in Egypt. But God in His goodness, God in His grace, released Israel from slavery to set them free. So every seventh year, they were to release their Hebrew brothers and sisters, the Hebrew men and women that were in slavery. They were to release them to set them free, reminding them that this is what God has done to you. So they were not to become harsh taskmasters like the Egyptians. And this is one of those things that would set Israel apart from the other nations. That's one thing that would set them apart. Now it does go on to say here that sometimes if there was a a person working for you, if they were a slave for you, and they were treated good, they had enough, you know, to to live, that you had blessed them, and they tell you, I don't want to go out from you. I love you, and I want to stay here and serve you. Then it says, then they shall stay there and serve them. Um, So that's the laws of debt and release on the seventh year. Also, uh, verse 19 says that the firstborn males who are born of the herds, uh, they will be dedicated to the Lord. So they would take the firstborn and not make them work. They would take the firstborn um, and sacrifice and eat before God to enjoy, but they shall not work um, as the first fruits of the flock. Uh, so those are some laws there as well. Going into chapter 16, we have three festivals that are reiterated here. Uh, we have the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths, which would be Tabernacles. So these are the three major feasts every year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. In these three feasts, all of Israel had to come to the place where God ordained to worship, which would end up being Jerusalem, where the temple would be, and they would make a pilgrimage back for these three feasts, the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, and Booths or Tabernacles. Um, Whereas the Passover regulations in Exodus envision a home ceremony, they'll remember it in their homes, Deuteronomy points out that all festivals would be celebrated at the national shrine, at the place that God had ordained. And every Israelite male had to participate in these pilgrimage feasts. Deuteronomy obviously expects the women to join in too. It also hopes that the poor, the slave, the orphans, and widows, and Levites would be included in these celebrations. So these are the three national feasts that happened every year year. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Then when you go toward the end of chapter 16, going through chapter 18, entry into the land would require the appointment of judges and other offices. And this is the part where this, these chapters kind of correspond with honoring your father and mother, those over you in authority. Uh, then this pertains to national authority as well. 
So there are four offices that would be established in Israel. These would be judges, kings, priests, and prophets. You have them right there at the bottom of your paper. So judges, kings, priests, and prophets. And the, the overall duty of each one is to help Israel to keep the law and to enforce justice when Israel doesn't keep the law. Uh, judges, of course, uh, all, every tribe was supposed to appoint judges uh, to judge fairly among the people. So they would hear the regular matters. If there were matters that were too hard or too difficult for them, then it would be brought to um, what would be Jerusalem, to the, the place of, of God where uh, they would be properly judged there. But local judges could handle local matters. Uh, and then... If you had a king, that there would come a time when envisioning that Israel would want a king, because Israel has no king at this time. If you remember, and going on into Joshua, we'll read that all these nations have kings. Well, God wanted Israel, He wanted to be their king, and Him only. They would listen to Him. They would obey Him. He's already told them. But Deuteronomy envisions a time where the people would ask for a king like the other nations. And you know what? That happened. So in, in the chapter here in 17, verse number 15, we are told that uh, you may indeed set a king over you who the Lord your God will choose. So the thing was, you may want a king, but God will choose the king. And then there were priests. And of course, priests served in the tabernacle and later on the temple. Uh, the priests, the Levites, had no inheritance of their own, but they would be supported by the other tribes through their tithes. Uh, then you have prophets. Prophets speak in the name of God. They speak in the name of Yahweh. Um, if what they speak does not come to pass, they would not be considered a true prophet and would be put to death. So you had judges, kings, priests, and prophets. And these were, be, these were to oversee the nation. They were to make sure the people uh, were keeping the law. If they were not keeping the law, then it shows that they would uh, execute judgment and justice. But here's the problem, and here's what became the problem in Israel. Judges, kings, priests, and prophets, they would fail Yahweh themselves. Where they were to be like covenant enforcers, they would break the covenant themselves. So you would have judges who would not judge rightly. You had kings that would not follow and obey Yahweh. You had priests who would forget and forsake the law that they were supposed to be priests over. You had prophets who would not prophesy what the Lord says. They would prophesy what they wanted to say. So in Israel, not only would the people fail God, but these authorities would fail God as well. Judges, kings, priests, and prophets. Which leads us to that last section in Deuteronomy that we'll get to in a couple of weeks when Moses says, your end is not going to be good, for you're going to go against everything I've just told you. But however, I do want to point out, to close out this chapter, there is a prophecy here that is very important. When you get to... Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Notice what the Scripture says. The Lord your God 
will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, or see this great fire lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them all that I command him. And this is a prophecy that would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, This prophecy is pointing to the Lord Jesus, who was the prophet like unto Moses who would come. You remember we already... um, Saul in, um, in John on Sunday mornings, what did, what did the woman at the well say about Jesus? I perceive you are a prophet. What did Mary say at the wedding of Cana? She says, you will, this is my son, you will hear him. That's, what, that's the same thing that God spoke over Jesus. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. You shall listen to him. Mary, you shall do whatever he says. This is the prophet that was spoken to the, uh, spoken that will speak from God to the people. Uh, let me read you. I didn't put it down here, but you may, if you're taking notes, you may just want to write down Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, verse number twenty-two. That's where this is mentioned. Acts chapter three, twenty-two. Let me read this um, to you. I'm going to start reading in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says this, Repent. Now this is the preaching to the Jews by the apostles. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Christ, uh, the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom the heaven must receive until the time of the restoring of all things, which was spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets long ago. So the first sermons that we have to Israel are about Christ, and it's pointing to what the prophets said long ago. Verse 22 says this, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed or cut off from among the people, the covenant people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him have proclaimed of these days, the days in Acts. And what's happening in Acts? Christ is being preached. Christ is being preached specifically to the Jews. So in the preaching to the Jews, it's quoted what we just read in Deuteronomy. A prophet like you will God raise up from your brother. So Christ is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy chapter 18. He then goes on to say in verse 25 of Acts 3, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's the Abrahamic covenant. God, having raised up his servant, sent him, sent Jesus to you, the Jews, first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of 
the prophet like unto Moses who was to come that the people should listen to that we find here in Deuteronomy chapter 18. So this is covering the first um, five commandments here of how they're to put these principles in action in the land. And the overall theme is you're God's special people. You're God's chosen people. You're separate from the other Canaanite people. You're separate from them as, as a people. Don't follow their practices. Don't follow their ways. Be dedicated to God. And all these sacrifices, all these tithes, all these, all these holy days, all these laws of releasing slaves is to remind them of who they are as God's chosen people. So that's the first half of um, the exposition of this law. So next week when we gather together, hopefully gathering together next week, um, haven't had a solid track record the past month of every week, but uh, we will continue to look at the last uh, five and how they, the next several chapters leading up to chapter 26 in Deuteronomy.